Oh yeah, motherfucker, how you doing? Blah, 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 yakety smackety. And welcome out to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. Oh yeah, you know what goes good with The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky? Besides a nice cool glass of OJ. How about heading over to PackRackComics.com? That's right, you can go to PackRackComics, blah, 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 blah. And uh, get all the cool comic books, board games, and more. It's a family-owned store, and they're the winner of the 2015 Eisner Award. Ain't that wild stuff? And if you also like books, or if you like podcasts like this one, you can check out audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Throw a little green our way and get something cool in return. There's over 200,000 titles to choose from. Isn't that wild? That's just wild, man. All right, Nick, it's up to you, buddy. Oh, thank you. Thank you, uh, weird random guy that I have no idea who the fuck you are. That's right. Keep walking. Okay. I don't know. I just thought I'd have some random guy just open up the show. Uh, but uh, he's right, though. He did the rest to it. So thank you, stranger gentleman. Yeah, whatever. All right. Uh, now it's time for the shit I do. The Ultimate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Go to utmnt.com or uh, check out our podcast, uh, the Rocky and Boinkle podcast. Uh, that's the one. It's the magically unauthorized misadventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. And it's a really great show. I'm really excited, and we're actually uh, gearing up for season two. If you would like information on how to watch uh, season two, uh, a storyline from season two being to be recorded, and also watch me not say words in English correctly, then get ready. Free comic book day at Packrat Comics. And uh, check out their uh, Facebook page or check out our Twitter, Instagram. We have links in there all the time. It's going to be great. Okay. And last but not least, uh, kind of last but not least. It's not the last but not least. It's uh, We are part of It's All Been Done Radio Present. Jesus Christ, I can't do this at all. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. You know, that weird fucker, he came in, he just started the show and just threw me all off. All right. So we're part of the It's All Been Done Presents Network or IBDP. Yeah, you know me. And speaking of the IBDP, it's All Been Done Radio Hour, a modern scripted comedy show in the style of old-time serials, is the flagship of the IBDP network. Their next live performance is Saturday, April 8th at 5.30 p.m. Admission is $7 for adults and $5 for seniors and students. Get your tickets now at madlab.net forward slash tickets. Past episodes are available on the podcast, and it's all been done anyway. So check out It's all been done radiohour.com or www.iabdpresents.com. Now, this is almost the last but not least. Uh, Sketchy Sex is a show that I am a part of along with some of my It's All Been Done radio crew. And I've been, uh, we three of us have been graciously asked as part of the main Mad Lab Ensemble to help out. And it has been truly a gas for all of us. Um, and not the stinky kind, but the really nice kind that makes you laugh like a hyena, Ed. <laughs> that was my Lion King reference. You're welcome. But Mad Lab, though, is back with their first sketch comedy show in almost five years. And as of today, March written by their ensemble, is everything you wanted to know about sex and some things you probably didn't. And by the time this is going up, so for those of you who are time travelers, you're listening to this in the past, well then, you know what? 
it's history. But if you're listening to it the day it comes out, uh, which I believe is the 24th and 25th, Friday, Saturday, you still have a chance. You know, you're like Bill, Billy Murray because, you know, I'm such good friends with him. I call him Billy. You're like Billy Murray and Scrooge. You have time. Don't sit there and wait. Come on. Think of your fellow man. Go get tickets at Mad Lab. Get a little comedy in your heart. Tickets are $10 at Mad Lab members, $13 for student and seniors, and general audience members are $15. Okay, now for sure the last but not least part. Uh, before we start cooking here, um, last episode we had Casey May on. It was such a blast. And we're talking about a future episode in the upcoming month. Uh, we're going to have him back on because we had so much fun. Again, it's always scheduling stuff because uh, that one was we planned out like a few weeks in advance when we recorded it. So um, I have something in mind, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, I got a few things wrong, and I want to clarify things. Because usually when I do a quick drive-by, which I do sometimes, if I can't get uh, time to schedule with anybody, I go just go for it myself. Uh, Sadly for some of you. But uh, if you're still sticking around, God love you. You're awesome. You know it. Anyway, I try to have some information. I try to have a little bit more planned out, you know, uh, but... um, being prepared and all that shite. But, you know, this time I didn't because outside of Logan, I had no idea what Casey and I were going to talk up. And I had no idea I was going to fuck up so badly. Um, so as such, I have a few corrections. I know, but I want you to know that if I messed up a fact and I realize it, uh, you know, I always try to be a little proud to admit I made a mistake. Unless it was Jimmy or Nathan, then I'll try to be like a bit of a bitch about it. But... It was rude to the last guest, so here we go. Last episode with Casey May, if you listen to the episode, we were talking about the movie Logan, and we got we just covered everything, including the old X-Men movies. And uh, there was one fact I kind of got a little bit like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, this is what it is, And because I thought I was right. I mean, I believed with all my heart I was right, which is Hank McCoy, a.k.a. The Beast in human form, has a cameo in X-Men in a Charlie Rose-like setting, being interviewed about mutants and the whole mutant threat and and whatever. But the fact is, Casey was correct. The cameo only shows up in X2 X-Men United and not the 2000 film X-Men. I had the right seeing, wrong movie. Uh, so again, Casey, 100% right on that. Ignore me when I was talking about it and uh, realize I was unintentionally being a dick and in the long run, I, I was a dick. So... Casey, man, I owe you a beer, and uh, and in retrospect, good thing I didn't bet you for anything really at all. I would have lost so bad. Um, the other thing we talked about, I just thought would be an interesting factoid for some of you guys out there. Um, we were both kind of half correct, half wrong on this other topic, which was the comic books. Um, we were talking about the storyline Fatal Attractions, an X-Men storyline where Wolverine uh, uh, went up against Magneto, who had returned, and, uh, and his acolytes, and Wolverine kind of lost big he got his adamantium uh, skeleton ripped out um i mean his skeleton was still there but the adamantium on his skeleton was ripped out by magneto so he lost his claws so you thought um i thought that the next storyline is where that premiered at and casey's like no i thought it was in fatal attractions casey was correct um he wolverine actually is like in a coma for the last half of the storyline um and then he wakes up and his bone claws pop out and then he's like Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm-mm. Uh sorry, that's been on my mind. If you go to Sketchy Sex, you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyway. Uh but yeah, he's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. I can't kind of deal with this. And he leaves the X-Men. And it sets up that's the what happens? The storyline's over. What happens next time? Well, that was the next thing. We were talking about what's the next story? Well, 
the next story was, which we did guess correctly, guess correctly, which was, it was the introduction of Generation X, but that story was called The Phalanx Covenant, uh, P-H-A-L-A-N-X. I'm not going to say it right. I always have that problem, so guys, let that one go. But uh, yeah, so Casey was correct about that one as well. Wolverine did show his bone claws at the end of Fatal Attractions and then left the X-Men. And yeah, because they had Sabretooth in a cell during that storyline and during the uh, Phalanx Covenant, uh, he broke out and became an X-Men for a bit, along with the White Queen. So anyway, there you go. That's kind of a retraction on mine or a correction on, on myself. Um, I try not to make a habit of these too much, but especially when I'm dealing with a guest, I really wanted to uh, uh, apologize. And, you know, so, hey, you know, look, I, I was a dick. I was a dick. So, uh, again, in case he's an awesome guy, like, you know, it's not like he walked away going, oh, dude, you, you were a dick. And then he's like, it was all about, when are we going to do this next? This was a lot of fun. So, um, anyway, now let's get to the news you don't care about before we really get into our main topic tonight on the good, the bad, and the geeky. So the news you probably don't care about, uh, but I kind of do. I've not seen the show yet. I feel so stupid, but I've not seen Legion on FX, and which is good, though, because season two has been ordered. The show is created and show ran by Noah Fawley, who uh, is uh, the showrunner slash creator of FX's Fargo, uh, which the season three is coming out. I've not watched season two yet. I'm waiting it for Hulu. Uh, but uh, looking forward to it so much. I'm really excited. For those who are fans of MST3K or for those simpletons out there, Mystery Science Theater 3000, as of March 15th, the first season of this classic show, they're all streaming on Netflix. I actually watched a little bit of, of one or two of them. My Honestly, I'm not going to lie. My favorite parts of the show were when the robots and uh, Mike or the robots and Joel were talking in between the movies. Some of the stuff in the movies were kind of funny, but I really just more enjoyed, you know, the banter before and after and between. But that's me. Uh, I'm still excited though. The new show's coming out. I think it's hitting on Netflix with uh, Felicia Day and uh, Jonah Ray. But uh, I think that's kind of part of the deal. They're introducing the show back on Netflix, and then it'll hit with the uh, new seasons. Uh, Last little bit of news, uh, because, you know, we really cover a lot of comic book stuff here, but Adam Kozad has been tapped to write and is in negotiations to write Warner Brothers' follow-up to Suicide Squad. Spoiler alert. It's called Suicide 2. Suicide Squad 2. (laughs) I fucked that one up. Kozad, fans may or may not be happy to hear, is credited with writing the Jack Ryan reboot, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which got 56% on Rotten Tomatoes as well as Legend of Tarzan, which only got 36% of critics. I've not seen Tarzan yet, really, um, at least I can remember. It's on HBO right now, which so I kind of want to see it. But Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, I actually really like that movie. I will say it doesn't necessarily feel like... It, it, it's, it feels like fan fiction, um, like mediocrely decent fan fiction. The performances are amazing. The direction is very well done because it's, it's done by Kenneth Branagh. The acting, again, is really good. But I always kind of feel like when you watch Patriot Games, uh, Clear and Present Danger, uh, Clear uh, Hunt for Red October, and even some of All Fears, there feels like there's very much a big sense of tension, uh, very much a sense of tension, like po- Cold War tension, which is it's it's hard to describe, um, and I don't feel like Shadow Recruit necessarily nailed that. Um, but it was still, I thought, a decent movie. I thought it was a good stepping stone to start Jack Ryan off, but apparently it wasn't. 
Um, and a lot of other people may or may not have agreed. But uh, Legend of Tarzan. So yeah, we we don't have a great guy possibly writing Suicide Squad. For, in, well, that could be the general consensus. Okay, that was the news you don't care about. Now to the main stuff. The other day, a group of us went and saw Kong Skull Island, and it's produced by Legendary Pictures. The film is directed by Jordan Vacht Roberts, director of the indie darlings film Kings of Summer. For those who don't know, living at home, the film follows a team of scientists in the, uh, I think it's early 70s, maybe 1974, headed up by John Goodman as Bill Randa, along with his assistant Houston Brooks, played by The Walking Dead's Corey Hawkins, who finds a way to tag along to a mission to use new technology by a uh, 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 Landstat to map an uncharted island in the South Pacific. While it looks like it's a normal way mission, Randa and his team at Monarch are using this as a last-ditch attempt to find something before they are shut down due to lack of funding. Part of uh, Goodman's provisions is to choose... I'm going to call him just John Goodman. Randa, whatever the fuck his name is. Randa's provisions is to choose from members of his team, including a tracker, which he kind of handpicks himself, a.k.a. Tom Hilson's James Conrad, a rough-around-the-edges, decommed British Special Air Service captain. Uh, they also get a set of soldiers, which it's done by phone call in the movie. So, but I think it's by the Senator that gives them the pass, you know, that gives them the, the mission. It gives them the okay to do the mission. Um, and he gives them a set of soldiers, uh, who are a day from being sent home to, from Vietnam, headed by Samuel Jackson's Lieutenant Colonel Preston Packard. And, uh, the final mission is to assist Monarch and Landstat teams as a military consort. So off the team goes to the uncharted island in the South Pacific, where they encounter terrifying creatures and the so-called ruler and king of the island, a giant monstrous ape named Skull Island. No, I'm just kidding. His name is Kong. His name is Kong, not Skull. Why would you think that? It's called Kong, colon, Skull Island. You dipshit. Why would you think that? You're not a dipshit. I love you. You're listening to this podcast. Some real cheesy dialogue is kind of sprung about at the beginning, and um, and they feel very force fed into the into the audience. But I will also say, and this is the interesting thing, that it's John Goodman and Corey Hawkins who are they're both wonderful actors. So it's not as bad. But you know, as someone who watches movies all the time, it's just like, oh, this is the exposition, and it and and I can tell it's the exposition. You know what I mean? Um, and there are some really interesting uh, threads that go really kind of nowhere, at least in my my mind. They, they don't, or they don't feel properly capped off. They are introduced, but they kind of taper off. Such as an example, Packard, played by Jackson. It, it isn't clear, at least to me, uh, in a first viewing. I've only seen it once. I'd like to see it again, but with money tight and with all the movies, the onslaught of movies coming out, it might be hard for me. But I, when I first saw it, it's like he's concerned about lost men. And, but it also could have seemed like he was lost, bothered by the loss of a lover or perhaps other men or a brother. I couldn't really tell. And I know when you're in the army, you're in a group like that, your men, your team are your brothers in arms, but it, it, but he looked more sad to be out of the war, but then he's like reminiscing, looking at this box full of dog tags. Um, it, it just kind of irked me that they, it wasn't a little bit more clear. And, you know, I, I don't want stuff that's fa- you know force fed into me like the Corey Hawkins and John Goodman stuff. So, you know, and because that's the beautiful thing that was a wonderfully done moment, but I didn't feel like it necessarily paid off the way I was really wanting it to. There should have been like it felt like you go from one extreme to the other, and with his character, there is no in between. There's no next step. If we're going to get to C from A, show us B. 
you know, you show us A, we go right to C. And, uh, or maybe even D, it looks like B and C is kind of muddled together. So it, that kind of bothered me. Um, Jing Tian Sans Lin, San Lin uh, that person's name, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so bad at this uh, when it comes to re- doing names or f- really facts or anything for that matter. But yeah, I, her part, it just seems kind of there. It looks like there might be a romance between her and Corey Hawkins' character. But again, yeah, it doesn't really kind of go anywhere. Um, the scenes, well, that's not true. If you watch it to the end of the credits, which you should, then it will make a little bit more sense. But the scenes of the men together at the very beginning of The Military Man feels very forced. The only one that kind of seemed natural, and maybe it's just because I've seen him as Eli Thompson in Boardwalk Empire as the chief in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first season, um, it, it was uh, uh, Eli Thompson, not Eli Thompson, Shay Wing- Wigham. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, he played, again, Eli Thompson, Boardwalk Empire. He was so good. and uh, But the dialogue felt very stilted. And again, it, it kind of bothered me a bit because it didn't feel supernatural, I guess. And maybe if I watched it again, it wouldn't bother me. But those are my first thoughts watching the movie. Um, so some other thoughts. And this is just me spouting off random facts about the movie. Because uh, again, if you didn't know this already, there's fucking spoilers here, people. Uh, of all the deaths I didn't like, but it was fucking amazing john goodman goes out like a champ and again one of the coolest deaths or and fallouts from that death i've ever seen he is holding a uh camera and the bulb doesn't work and then when he finally like hits it a few times he goes oh shit me and then that skull monster like eats him up and with the camera and then the 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 flash just starts to go and so even though it's fog you can see the monster, like you can hear it and see it. Like they have a better sense of tracking it, but it's still eerie as shit because you don't know how delayed the photo, uh, the photosynthesis from the light or whatever you want to call it, the flash bulb going off is, oh man, so intense, so good. There's one point at the very end of the movie where uh, Conrad and Weaver, aka Hilson and Lar- Larson, um, they're in the film, uh, in the final part of the film, like they, they, you know, oh, you're okay, you know, you got thrown around, but Kong protects you. Um, and it looks like they're about ready to kiss. It's very kind of lovey dovey. It looks like maybe like an alternate take or something, and they didn't go that way. And you're like, okay, cool. But that, that felt kind of cut out um i will say i was very pleased that they didn't go in that direction that's usually how these things go uh john c Riley's in the film he plays hank marlowe an eccentric who is uh that way because he's been stuck on that fucking island for over 28 years uh it's he's actually one of the best parts of the movie and i will say the other best part but also i wasn't expecting was the fact that the film is eerily violent, like shockingly violent for being a PG-13 film. In retrospect, it's not excessive, but it also feels like it pushes the limits, though, too. And I guess maybe it's after my years of watching Godzilla movies, like the old ones and even the new one. Or even, I mean, how even Jaws, there's blood like once or twice, but it doesn't feel excessive. This is like, once that movie grabs a hold of you, it kind of never lets you go. And there's a few points where it kind of shocked me. I remember my friend and I, uh, his wife was in between us, and then my wife was on my right side. And there was one part with a bug where the it's like a daddy long legs, but a fucking huge one. And 
it, they look like bamboo poles and it's hiding out in a bamboo forest and it literally just runs through one of the guys standing straight up. And so it moves around and his body is just kind of like, it looks like a sish kebab. It's, it's disgusting as hell. But then it opens up its mouth and does this weird like alien symbiote, like venom tongue thing and starts pulling him up. It's amazingly intense sequence. And, but like when the guts fill out, it like goes into like some of the guys' mouth. And like, I remember I was looking at my other friend and we're, and he's way more manly than I am too, by the way. Like, I'm a fucking pussy. I'll cry at fucking anything. He's on the other end of me though. And we're both looking at like, and you can't see my face, but like, imagine me just, we're both looking at each other. Like, I'm looking left, he's looking right. And we're going like, holy fuck, are you seeing this? Like, this is fucking nasty ass shit. But it's so cool, right? It's so cool. So my wife and I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, my friend enjoyed the movie. His wife, it was interesting. My uncle, who was also there, said an example. Um, he's like, well, this is definitely a Nick Argenbright movie. And he's he's not wrong. It was. This is very much a Nick Argenbright movie. I really enjoyed it. And for those who stick around at the end of the film, fucking amazing, Godzilla. They show a preview of Godzilla, Mothra, Ghidorah, King Ghidorah, aka uh, Ghidorah, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, and Rodan, motherfuckers. Yeah! So, really freaking cool, and I'm super excited about it. So, Kong, again, it's a monster movie. It, it, it is purely popcorn fluff, um, and again, the original King Kong wasn't really as, I think, significant as Godzilla was when Godzilla first came out. And I'm talking about Gojira, the original 19, I think, 54, 52, 54 film by the Japanese. And the Americans bastardized it and took away the meaningness of, not the meanness, the meaningfulness, there's the word I was trying to say, of the original film Gojira. So if you get a chance, check out the original Gojira and you kind of see what I mean. I, I still say uh, that the original film, Gojira, not the one with Raymond Burr, uh, there are some beautiful scenes in there that um, really capture the horror of the atomic testing, the atomic bombs. King Kong, though, is, I mean, it's technically beauty that killed the beast. Like, and that's a, great, that's a great fucking line, right? But you're kind of building up to it. And, and it's a fun movie, you know, especially for an older movie. But that's really what it's about. You know what I mean? That's what it is. But Godzilla, the Gojira, had something a little bit more. And the new Godzilla film didn't really play on that as much. Um, there was talk of nuclear energy and stuff like that. But it was more like Godzilla is a protector and, and stuff like that. And it was just, eh, I don't know. I, that's me, though. I, and again, I like that film a lot. But the human stuff was very flawed. And usually in these monster movies, the human stuff does kind of, eh. The human stuff in this one I felt was very hit or miss, and, and Kong Skull I should say. And so, as long as you go in enjoying these like monster movies or popcorn summer films anyway, Kong Skull Island is definitely up your alley, and I think you will really love it. It harkens back to, I think, the end of the 90s, like 97, 96, 97, 98. Those were summer films, you know what I mean? That really took what Steven Spielberg did back with Jaws and just amplified it to an 11, you know what I mean? So this kind of feels like that. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And if you can get through some of the clunky dialogue and just force kind of little scenes at the very beginning, the moment you hit that storm cloud uh, that's protecting the island of Skull Island, the movie grabs hold of you and fucking never lets you go. And it's that good, that exciting, and that raw. All right, guys, enough of me rambling. I've been talking. If you have thoughts on this, let me know at goodbaggeeky at gmail.com or 
on on the Tweety Bird at Good Bad Geeky or on Instagram at Oh Wait For It Spoiler at Good Bad Geeky. We also have some people listening to this on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, comment below and we will eventually read your comments possibly on the show. If you have your thoughts on Kong Island or maybe you didn't like what I said about the news you know, you don't care about, maybe you do care about it and you're pissed that I said that you don't care about. Let me know. Or fuck it. You have a suggestion for Judge Jimmy for our next live show or maybe a game that you would like us to see play. I don't know. Either way, let us know. Write us, email us. And if you go to gbgpodcast.com, there's a way to call us too. I can never remember that off the top of my head, but there you go. All right. Blah, blah, blah. Enough of me doing that. Thanks for listening, everybody.